The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, emerging perspectives on people, process, and profits. Your host is Olivia Parr-Rood. In today's fast-paced, high-tech global economy, the business landscape is constantly evolving. To be successful, companies must continually adapt as well as identify and exploit new opportunities. Now, here is the host of Quantum Business Insights, Olivia Parr-Rood. Hi, Olivia here. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, where each week we explore new perspectives on the changing nature of business with thought leaders from around the world, and with a special emphasis on what I feel is our most valuable asset, our human capital. And today I'm so excited to have as my guest, Dr. Martine George, and we'll be discussing people analytics and leadership in a world of big data. And it's fun for me to share Martine with you because our passions are so closely aligned. We both share a passion for big data and analytics, and we also share a passion for new approaches to leadership and the development and nurturing of our human capital, as well as the measurement of these approaches through people analytics. Before we get started, let me tell you a little more about Martine. She holds a PhD in physics from the University of Brussels in Belgium and a Master's of Business Administration from Edinburgh Business School in the UK. And she has over 24 years of work experience in different companies and industries. And she's a rare combination of expertise, experiences, and roles. As a practitioner and advocate in business analytics, she's occupied different functions as analyst, data scientist, middle manager, and today as a director in banking, energy, telco, logistics, and financial services. Her domain of expertise has always been around strategic business analytics, strategic marketing, knowledge management, campaign management, multi-channel R&D and innovation. And she's been an invited speaker in business analytics conferences in Belgium and abroad. Because of her groundbreaking work in the areas of organizational development and strategic business analytics, she was recently appointed head of people of the People Analytics Program at BNP Paribus Fortis in the Retail Clients and Products Department. And that's a large bank in Brussels with global connections. And finally, as a creative training designer and trainer, she's recently developed an innovative training and coaching approach to develop the communication skills of data scientists, which is also a passion of mine. So, Martine, welcome to Quantum Business Insights. Welcome, Olivia. So, I'd love to get your definition of people analytics and why do we need this type of analytics? Um, in fact, um, in big data, there are definitely a lot of challenge of um, technology and uh, acquiring the right data. Uh, also, there are big challenge to have the, the right statistician on board, definitely. But uh, it seems also 
very important to to make this change of paradigm to big data, to consider the change as a whole, and to uh, consider the I would say the managerial uh, challenge of big data. And people analytics, it's a program dedicated to um, transform or to uh, to uh, arrive with the change through the different uh, elements which are important in the organization. So I mean it's important uh, to think about big data change by uh, embodying a new culture, typically a culture of analytics. It's about also changing the management process. It's about a new type of leadership, also developing talent and make decisions probably differently than we made before this uh, new area. And people analytics, it's about this change in the organization. Okay. Thank you. So, what, when you say make decisions differently, what do you mean? Like, how, how would they be different? In a, definitely in a more uh, analytic uh, culture, a more analytical mature culture, uh, fact-based decision-making seems very important and seems to be one of the key elements. But what does it mean to make um, um, fact-based decision-making? It, does it mean uh, having all the exhaustive data to make decisions? No, I don't think so. It's about using what we have at our disposal at the moment to take the best decision as possible and also continue to learn and improve new data uh, based on this experience. Well, that makes sense because years ago we could develop analysis that would be good for, for you know, many months and years, and now it feels like things are changing so quickly that we have to be doing what you said, which is making the best decisions on the data that we have today. But if we get new information tomorrow, being able to update that process, and it sounds like what you're saying is we need to be able to do that in a very sort of strategic way, having processes and... Um, systems in place that can perhaps update and, and allow us to make almost like analytic choices on the fly. Does that make sense? Is that kind of what oh, you're yes, saying? Yes, definitely. Yes. Okay. So given now that we know data is changing, people ha- are having to be perhaps more flexible, what does that mean for the kinds of... Um, I guess the leadership and maybe the culture, how, how do you think that has changed or how do leaders have to lead differently in this kind of a culture? Uh, first, they, they have to, to walk the talk of fact-based decision-making by themselves. So if uh, in the past they were a lot driven by gut feeling and experience, uh, mm. they would like to have the whole organization moving to more analytical way to, to, to grow, it's important that they walk the talk and change the way they decide and uh, show how they use more data to, to make the decision. So probably it's something important. It's important also that this aspect cascade on the whole organization and they have an important role to play to, to show the example, but also 
to to orient the new value of the of the corporate culture to value that embody uh, this uh, analytical culture. So they have a significant role about that. It's also the responsibility, I would say, as uh, all manager at the different level of the organization to also work this talk of fact-based decision-making, of using more and more data uh, to, to to synthesize information, to take the, the best decision. So I think uh, it's very important uh, to, to change the way leadership is uh, um, is acting, and I would talk. I would like also to talk about the the thought leader of the experts, because I am sure, then uh, based on my experience, also, then it's important to develop the um, the leadership, the thought leadership, the expert leadership of experts, because mm. in many places, uh, uh, I would say, big data is still a very uh, innovative. Things, so they are not yet, uh, uh, I would say, um, uh, institutionalized. So it's still uh, something in progress, in, in construction, and that uh, these experts can play an important role in the adoption of new practices in the company. But for them, they need to be very good to convincing the rest of the company so they are ambassadors of these new practices of analytics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that ambassador of analytics is a great, a great title for the way leaders have to think. And um, I also have the sense that because, it, like in the past, the the, usually the manager of a team could do the job of everybody on the team. But today, because of complexity and the sophistication of these roles resulting, you know, as a result of technology and big data, the leaders have to become more like an ambassador or coach and, and, and empower their experts to actually think more like leaders. Um, Thornton May, the head of the IT Academy, said it's not that leaders have to understand analytics, but analysts have to think more like leaders because there's so much power. Well, he did, the rest of it is, is what I'm adding, but that because there's so much more power in the data. Um, so how do you, if you've, uh, working with a manager who has always trusted his gut, uh, what are some approaches you would have perhaps to having him more trust the data or have you had managers that have just said, I can't do this and they end up leaving or what's been your experience with working with managers around this? So it depends which kind of manager. So uh, some manager are very convincing of the, the importance of, of the data. And so for them, they not necessarily know how to, to start to change their practices to embody more practice about using data, but they are, the, they are convinced that something has to be done. Uh, what is important is to help them support, in, uh, it's important to support them to, um, to ask a lot of questions, to develop uh, uh, some practices about uh, asking powerful questions to help the teams to to be able to introduce more data in the, in the process, definitely. So they have a role to engage people in using more data. 
In, in general, I would say in, in big companies and in the banks, or the main that I, I know quite well at the moment, everybody has understood that it's important to move to that now. So there is a lot of pressure from outside, but also from the, the management now that uh, it's important to move to that uh, um, analytical-minded way to, to manage. So uh, I think it's not so difficult on the idea to to initiate new practices. Now we are still on the, on the I would say, on the first step on that uh, change. So now we need to practice, practice and, uh, a lot at the different level of the organization. So it's where we are definitely. Well, that makes sense because I think the banking industry was a very early adopter of data analysis in general. And now I would imagine that if a bank is not using a lot of data to drive their business, they're going to get left behind. So it, it certainly makes sense that they're feeling a lot of pressure. Um, so what are some of the soft skills that you feel are needed by data scientists? So perhaps first, uh, this data scientist uh, aware uh, knowledge worker, I would say, and they need to, to have together many different dimensions to be effective. So, yes, definitely, uh, they have to, to develop some technical skills, some analytical skills, some business skills, but what I think, and based on my own experience, what makes really the big difference on success, it's the communication skills, all the soft mm. aspects that need to be developed by these people to be really effective, to be really convincing on the organization. And when I talk about all of these soft skills, uh, it's about developing, I would say, consultancy skills. Uh, it's about developing capacity to be good at active listening. But it's developing emotional intelligence, typically. It's also about... Uh, Developing a good mix, I would say, of uh, a big picture view, but also uh, a capacity uh, and uh, uh, to go to details and to have an attention to these details. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also what is very important to have the capacity to adapt the talk to the audience because these data scientists in their landscape will be... Um, uh, We'll have different type of conversation with different type of people. I would say people, peers, as, uh, so experts as uh, us, uh, as them, but also being able to convince um, internal customer or customer about the effectiveness of using analytics results. Mm-hmm. And also to be able to defend projects and to convince the management of the importance to invest resources for the future in the development of new things related to that topic. So it's yeah. a lot about convincing uh, um, also uh, capacity. Uh, it's also, I think, very important to develop a curiosity, but a very down-to-earth curiosity, I think. Mm. Uh, it's also important uh, on developing uh, experimentation, test and learn, um, 
being creative speaker also. Mm. Um, quite comfortable to uh, evolve in interdisciplinary activities. Mm-hmm. Um, because definitely big data is about that. Huh? It's techniques, analytics, business, communication, so it's very interdisciplinary. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the data scientists I have met are fast learners, people who are adaptable, flexible, uh, very interested by research, and um, who likes to, to develop things in team, also or exchanging a lot of ideas in teams. Mm. So they're collaborative, sounds like. That's great. Yes, very collaborative, yes. Well, you've mentioned so many skills and aspects, so I want to just drill down a little bit. Um, the thing about being curious, I just think that's so important, and it's something that some some of us get trained out of, but it you know we're always curious as children, and it's great to get to get that back um, and to be ex- do a lot of exper- experimentation. So to me, that's something that the business has to create a culture where risk taking is okay, and I think that is so much more important now because if we're not taking risks, we're going to get left behind. So I love the fact that you mentioned that, uh, and then. Being a creative thinker, that to me is something that doesn't get talked about enough in analytics. And I remember in my very first job as a data scientist, one of the managers said, well, we have our analytic people and we have our creative people. And I thought to myself, well, I feel like I'm really creative. Um, so what's, why is she saying that? And then what I realized is we can become very linear, I think, in analytics. But one of the reasons... I think I was successful initially building predictive models was because I was figuring out creative ways to do that. And that was what led to my first book, Data Mining Cookbook, which you mentioned you had years ago. And so a lot of the stuff I did in that book or talked about in that book with creative use of weights and different ways to sample to get the results you wanted um, were being creative. So I think that is extremely important for data scientists. Um, and all, so anyway, all that together is just so interesting. The, but I, I want to go back to a couple of things you said about the softer skills and active listening. Can you just, for our audience, define what you, how you describe active listening, why it's different than, say, regular listening? Yes, so it's active listening in the context of being an expert. It's quite interesting because uh, as a coach, I coach some uh, experts, which has typically sometimes difficulties to to listen completely to what the the other person they are talking with uh, are saying. Because um, as experts, they have a real strong point of view of uh, the subject of their expertise. And sometimes they are so involved uh, in uh, responding to a question, uh, then they sometimes they don't listen actively about what uh, what is said. So I mean, they are already planning to answer instead of really listening about all the different uh, 
aspects they are they have the opportunity to observe in the the way the people they are talking about are addressing at the moment so i think it's interesting to to um, support uh, experts typically to concretely um wait before uh, replying something in the domain of uh, the expertise uh, also pay attention of the word used by the, the non-expert about what they have understood completely, what they did not understand, and how they can um, guide them to understand more in the future, typically. So, and uh, I think it's very important for, for experts to be more on the mode of uh, exploring and uh, scanning what is happening in the environment instead of coming quickly with their expertise and uh, willingness to to give their message and then and that it. so I mean it's a, it's a, a different way to to interact and uh, I think it's a, when experts have this capacity to listen completely to what is said and the, about the concern of the of the internal customer or about their peers or all about management, they will definitely um, be more effective in the, in the, I would say, in the selling of the, the expert message. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And as you were saying that about the active listening being that you're not already thinking about what you're going to say, but you're actually hearing every word. And as a radio host, I am practicing that all the time and I'm not always perfect but it makes a lot of sense and then I'd love to just uh, comment on what you were saying and it ties to something you said earlier about the expert really understanding how to communicate to the uh, their audience at the moment so rather than like you said just saying what they want to say in the way that they always say it to actually perhaps ask the manager or another peer, what would be the way I could explain this that might make the most sense to you? So if you're talking to a a group of managers that aren't analysts, you probably don't want to talk about chi-squares or different statistical terms. Maybe they'd understand an R-square, but even with that, I think what I've learned that works best is this is how much money you're going to save or make, you know, using this as opposed to the other way or something like that. Like they think in terms of dollars. But if you're talking to another data scientist, they might love to hear what your chi-squares were or your r-square or what your, uh, you know, lift or whatever, you know, all the different things that we use in data science. So, um, yeah, I really like that distinction. Um yeah, uh, I think it's uh, it's very important to uh, on on the field. Uh, what makes the real difference of good analyst and very good analyst is that capacity to to communicate and to master conversation with different audiences. So I mean, uh, and I I don't understand why so far in the, all the curriculum about uh, and the, the different program to. To, um, to train uh, data scientists, they are not more focused about that aspect because uh, it, it makes really the, the difference on the on the field. And, I totally. Uh, I was going to say I I completely agree, and 
in my own experience, we, we've just got a couple of minutes before the break. So um, I want to ask you another question, but I think we'll wait till we come back. But what I was remembering back when I was a data scientist and I was building models using SAS code and, you know, hand typing all the code. And I started seeing SAS creating these software packages that would eliminate that. And I thought, hmm, okay, if my skills are being replaced by something that someone who doesn't know how to do what I do could build a model, then I need to up-level my skills and maybe come learn more about the business and how to communicate the results of the model. So that's really where I put my focus. But there was no guidance around that. It was just for me sort of a common sense and a survival uh, thought and a, and a move in that direction. But I agree with you. I still, I mean, that was 20 some years ago and there still isn't, t- except a few people, but there aren't any formal programs for say learning communication for data scientists um, that I'm aware of. I'd love if my listeners know of any, please let me know. But I've actually spoken at data science conferences on the topic of communication and uh, most people really like it because it's missing and it's um, something that people need especially with our global business community and and just even thinking about within a company between marketing and IT the language is different (laughs) right yes definitely I fully agree with you yeah yeah yeah, it's about a lot of interaction about, uh, typically it's a domain where there is a big multidisciplinary, so you have to be able to talk with technicians, with uh, business people, with analytical guy like you, uh, with management, with uh, customer, all of these have a different, I would say, worldview, and the, what is key is to be able to to adapt the communication and the talk to the different audiences in order to have the, the, the most effective communication with all of these. And I think it's, it's, it's a real big challenge for a lot of data scientists, mm-hmm. which are very focused on, uh, on the, I would say, the hard skills. Yes, yes. And we do need to go to break, but I'll just mention I just finished a book for SAS, um, Business Analytics, using SAS Enterprise Guide and SAS Enterprise Minor, a, a beginner's guide. And so that's the title. Um, and one of the things I did in every chapter is I had a section at the end called Notes from the Field. And I talk a lot about the softer skills that people need because I just feel like they are so important for success. So just let me reintroduce my guest is Dr. Martine Martin. She's calling in from Brussels, Belgium, and um, she has a website being developed. So if you're listening to this and you want to know how to find out more information about what um, Martine offers, just look at her bio on the Voice America host page and we'll be right back. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. 
Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. What do business and sports have in common? Both are based on competition, and the goal of each is the same, to win. If you're in business, you need an edge over your competitors. You need to innovate and improve. You need to make adjustments to stay ahead of your competition. Tune in to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Get the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. The Business Locker Room airs live every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, Olivia here, and I'm back with my guest, Dr. Martine George, and we're talking about people analytics and leadership in a world of big data. So, Martine, we talked a lot before the break about all the different ways um, of the skills that data scientists need and the way leaders need to think about managing data scientists and um, how business is, is actually evolving so much because of data and technology requiring a whole new set of people skills. So let's talk now a little bit about what motivates a data scientist. Like how can we keep them motivated as, as a leader? Yes. Oh, uh, in fact, um it is based just on my experience, but it seems then for me it's a combination of a good balance between, I would say, education, experience, and exposure. Mm. Uh, I would say main, it's about experience, but it's important to continue to to learn a lot, also by new training, new education. And it's also important to allow these people to, to be exposed and to be able to to meet and to uh, share experiences with others. So I would say it is, uh, it is about that. 
Um, when I ask my people of the previous team I had in that domain what motivates them, they, they came with different things, like being autonom- autonomous, mm-hmm. being able to take some initiatives. They are definitely driven by intellectual challenges, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they love to, to evolve uh, in a test-and-learn environment, Mm-hmm. Uh, to make uh, things which are useful so they can see the, the meaning of the, the things they, they can deliver, so the, the value they can create. Um, it's important also to be seen as trusted expert, I mean, legitimate uh, expert in their domain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot also about being recognized as a, a good worker. Um, of course, having opportunity to grow and to have promotion, but it's definitely not the most important aspect. It's not the first thing that comes when the question is asked. Uh, there are also, uh, what motivates them is also the possibility to, to work on uh, very different subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, to, um, also to continue to learn. Learn, learn, learn. Mm. Uh, they, are, they are interested to, to have a role of problem solver, of course, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some who are more interested by communication, to have this opportunity to exchange with very diverse type of, of people from business, from techniques, from also within the, the I would say, the, um, the, the group of experts, this come from different disciplines. So some are engineers, some come from science or social science. Uh, and so it is also very rich in terms of diversity. And it is also part of uh, the, the interest. And what is also interesting is to see that these people also uh, go from one industry to another. So it's also an opportunity to share experience from different industries and different function roles. So with people talking with four people, with uh, marketing more uh, related people. So it's also an opportunity to, to exchange uh, on different functions within the same company, but with a common interest for analytics and the capacity to transform data to real uh, knowledge and value. So it sounds like if you summed it up, they want to be challenged intellectually. They want to feel respected and trusted. They want to see what they do being used and implemented. And they want to have exposure to others that have perhaps different approaches, different backgrounds, different experience from which to learn and um and actually expand their own, perhaps their own talents. And and I think you're, that's so true for me, especially going to different industries. What I found is that a lot of the techniques that I could use in one industry could translate to other industries. And it, it might require a slightly different approach to the data collection. But many times, and, and perhaps the implementation as well, but many times the actual uh, statistical processes or techniques were very much the same. Would you agree? 
Yes, I fully agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes it's a uh, the the way things are introduced in one in one domain or in one function role, it's sometimes different in another. So it's quite very inter interesting to cross cross fertilize knowledge because this different context creates sometimes different point of view or entry point of a, a specific uh, uh, concern or, or problems. And uh, I think it's very rich as an experience. Yeah, it is, and. I I think being able to share, even publicly, I liked being able to go to conferences and uh, workshops and talk to other data scientists in different realms. Um, and I did work for one company early on that would not let any of us go anywhere. They were so afraid of losing us, kind of like, you know, worried about retention in a way. Um, which I think I'd love to explore a little bit more. But I do think that a really good, curious data scientist that likes variety, that's going to bring the most uh, benefit or value to any role, um, is going to want to continue to improve their own skills and talk to other people who are doing these kinds of projects and using these kinds of techniques. So I would love to explore a little bit about you you do work with um, career development and so I'd love to hear some considerations for data scientists who want to develop their careers and also what you would advise organizations to help these data scientists to support them and, and actually retain them why that's important Yes, this is definitely a subject which interests me and it's a real concern for me for many years by building teams of experts like that in many different environments. I uh, I am very uh, convinced that it's important in companies and in Europe it is not yet very well uh, mat mature on that uh, in banks but also mm. in other uh, industries. is the fact that it's important to have a real career path for experts like that in companies. Because if you spend a lot of time as manager to develop team like that, but if you don't, and, and if your organization is not able to retain people like that, it's mm -hmm. a lot of money spent to train and to develop, and at the end, not a lot of, um, I would say, return on investment in some way uh, if your people leave to another place. And so I think it's very important to understand uh, the HR function, what motivates this analyst, and how, as an organization, we can retain and keep motivate these people uh, for a long time. And I think a real career path where I would say a lot of intrinsic uh, motivation can be uh, uh, sustained is very important. Mm. Uh, because all of these experts are, are of course, interested by external uh, ex ex um, motivation. But when we ask all of these people what motivates them, it's definitely not the first things which come. And so it's important to build, from my point of view, um, in the organization, some career paths with uh, different possibilities to continue to learn, to be exposed in conferences, for example, to have possibilities to have new training, to be involved in very exciting new uh, topics on a continuous way to keep these people motivated. 
Mm-hmm. And um, it's a special job also. It's uh, not yet institutionalized in, here in Europe. So in general, HR departments don't know very well what it is about. And so I think it's, uh, my recommendation would be to, to talk a lot with the HR departments to explain what, what does it mean to be data scientist and how we can develop things in terms of career to still mm-hmm. uh, be able to motivate these people on the, on the long run. So do you work with HR departments in this way as a, as a consultant? Uh, I, I have been very involved on the uh, hiring process in general with HR, yes. And uh, I, I spend a lot of time to to explain uh, what are the, the different facets of this uh, job of data scientist and uh, also challenge a bit the structure in nature about, okay, what we will do with analysts with three or four years of experience, what they could do in the organization to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. And so I think there are a lot of opportunities also by uh, in um, internal mobility to, to have the opportunity to to give to these data scientists to have a job, for example, a few years in marketing, uh, another few years in fraud or in credit scoring. So it's also, there are a lot of, uh, I would say, degrees of freedom that can be exploited within the organization to keep the, 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 um, the spirit and the energy of uh, uh, this uh, data scientist very uh, high. And I think... Uh, there are many ways to do that, but we are still on a, we are only on, on the early stage about understanding all of this. But uh, I think it's a real challenge because in the future we will need more and more data scientists. This is a quite rare combination of talent, so it will be difficult to have a lot of people uh, uh, in the future, and so the good one we need to keep them. Mm. Do you ever? encourage HR departments to use assessments to see whether people have the ability to be good communicators or uh, or to be more collaborative or things like that? Or do you think everybody has that ability if they're given the right training and exposure to experience? What do you think about that? I think that for many things there are different uh, level of natural uh, talent, but a lot of things can be done through training and through practice. So uh, mm-hmm. some people are more naturally talented in one aspect or in another, but with training and practice, a lot of things can change for everybody. So I would be very optimistic about the use of training and practicing to increase the the level as a whole. Yes, I think there are many things we can do. And it is part of the the thing I do through coaching, through individual coaching, because Mm -hmm. all of these people are very uh, avid learners and they are are avid uh, to to learn, to know more, to improve. So they are also interested to, to be able to put some, I would say, some um, new reading grid about all of this communication aspect in addition to all of the hard skills to be more effective. And uh, because when they are able to sell the result of a, a model or an analytics uh, to mm-hmm. a, a, an audience of non-experts which are ready to use it on daily, 
they are so uh, satisfied about this uh, type of research. Mm. So, I mean, it's a question of developing and coaching, practicing, and I think we can, I have had some great uh, results about such practice with people uh, with analytics guys, yes. Oh, great. So you do this kind of training with analysts and coaching. That's wonderful. So I get requests from people who are just newly graduated or have maybe just gotten their SAS certification or something like that, and they want to develop a data mining consulting business. And usually the first thing I say is, um, you know, really get to be good at communication, you know, develop that skill and, um, and learn about business. Um, so if somebody came to you, let's say they weren't even in a company or, or maybe they are in a company, but what would be the first thing you might suggest as, as a way of developing themselves? As a data scientist as a whole or specifically on communication? Well, just let's say that you don't know whether, yeah, on, as a whole. Like they've, maybe they've got a statistics degree and they yes. want to become a consultant. What would, how would you approach that? Yeah, so the idea definitely is to hire people with a, that analytical and quantitative background and technical one. People mm-hmm. who are interested by business, and so I would uh, give them the opportunity quite quickly to be exposed for first probably small things, but I think this practice of presenting, of interacting, of exchanging a lot, and being mm-hmm. able to explain a lot in simple words what analytics is, mm-hmm. and so. Something that I like to ask to, to young graduates is to explain me in a, in a few uh, sentences there to, to summarize the result of analysis in three minutes what they would say. Or oh, that's great. A one-pager. Sorry? I said, that's great. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Or developing a, a one-pager for very busy uh, leaders. So, so if you are you have, if you have done a great analysis and you have to communicate to the top management who has two minutes to consider to your, your results, what would you do? How would you mm. present things? Things like that. Or explaining analytics to your five-year-old brother who has no idea what it could do. Things like that. And to make mm. things simple, using simple words, uh, which are so important to, to communicate uh, that, I think. Wow, that's great. Um, so what are some of the, where do you feel like your career has given you the most ex- experience? Like, I guess you, you've worked for a lot of different companies. You even have a lot of affiliations now. Um, do you have a, well, maybe we could talk about the, the people analytics position. What are your hopes there for working with this large bank, and, and what do you think? How the, the what do you think you can do as far as making a difference? Um, maybe with some of their challenges. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Oh, uh, my my big hope is that uh, the the banks can be transformed to a data driven company. <laughs> where, uh, in that context, and where there will be a lot of uh, needs of 
analysts everywhere and where this uh, analytics professional can definitely uh, uh, develop themselves and uh, uh, I would say reach the self-actualization level of Maslow pyramid. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, in that environment. Um, and um, also... Um, be able to to change the culture or to to uh, to see the culture changing with more embedded value about all the elements which are needed to make a, an analytical culture a reality. So mm-hmm. I think there is a big challenge in the values to uh, evolve to more values related to analytics, so curiosity, um, um, things like um, fact-based decision-making, things like that that could be more embedded in the real living culture. And I think if it is the case, many things can change as a whole. So I think it's important to, to work on all of the from intangible assets to move also to more... Um, Uh, data-driven culture, yes. I think it's very important. Oh, that's great. Um, and so you also teach, is that right, at the university? Um, yes, I s- teach in, the, in, the, uh, in Paris, in fact. I, have a, I am involved in an academic share mm. in Paris, uh, sponsored by Accenture, a share in strategic business analytics where we have developed a program to, to train uh, future European scientists mm-hmm. and um, data scientists, yes. And mm-hmm. uh, I am involved in the supervision of TVs of these uh, people who are pursuing a master in business analytics at the moment. And I am also involved in um, facilitating some personal development activities in such business schools around the theme of developing soft skills for data science. So the university is is actually promoting that, teaching the soft skills? That's great. Yeah, yeah. I have developed a training called uh, Value Dynamics, how to promote the power of analytics to non-experts. And Mm. the idea is to to help these future data scientists to develop the, the communication skills in the context of, uh, of, of big data activities, yes. Oh, that's great. And um, I'm thinking that would be a really great book if you ever wanted to write it to share with the rest of the world. Uh, but I, I think that is a big factor in a lot of companies is is getting the knowledge, you know, we've talked about the skills, what motivates data scientists, and also then creating a culture. Um, So we have about a little bit over, a little bit less than five minutes left. Um, I'd love to maybe just think about if people are listening that are leaders of a team of, of data scientists and they're struggling with keeping them motivated or or retaining them or they're worried about that. Do you suggest they work with HR and even perhaps develop a plan or what are some of the things that you might tell a leader that would come to you for this kind of advice? 
First, I would make a distinction between the leaders of uh, the, the the managers of a team of uh, data scientists who were by by themselves data scientists in the past, or mm. uh, if they are managers without specific experience by themselves as data scientists. I think it's quite very different experience because when you were by yourself a data scientist first before being a manager. You have a clear view of what this expertise is about and what motivates you as an expert. And probably it's, it will be easier to put at the shoes of the expert when you will be manager to understand what could motivate them. I think mm -hmm. it's very different if you have no specific experience by yourself of what is to be a data scientist. But if you are the manager of this team, probably you will have your... Your, um, I would say, worldview about that would be probably different. So, um, I think uh, before going to CHR, it's important to have a lot of conversation with the, the people within your team to really understand what it is about if you are not an expert by yourself, and also to learn a lot about what are the real motivation of these people on the field, and then go to HR or your management to establish some and practices to, to put, uh, and some process in nature to be sure that you have, uh, I would say, resource to, to maintain teams of experts and to retain this expert within the company uh, by proposing to this expert many opportunities every two or three years in different directions, from different function roles, different topics, new projects, possibilities to continue to learn by education, to be, to be exposed, so being able by yourself as an expert to present your results and also to have as much as, possi as many as possible experience on the field about different topics, different techniques, different kind of people, uh, interaction. So I think it's about a lot about keeping the, 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 um, the spirit active all the time, yes. Oh, I like that. Keeping the spirit active. And I like what you said about if the if the a, the manager does not have a data science background to really get in and learn and um, find out what's going to keep their employees happy and, um, you know, have perhaps a unique plan for each one. Well, we are out of time. I can't believe it. This has been so much fun. Martine, thank you for being my guest today. And I hope you'll come back and visit us again. Thank you so much, Olivia. It was a great pleasure to have this uh, conversation. Thank you. Oh, thank you. So next week, my guest will be David Long, and we'll be discussing his latest book, Built to Lead, Seven Management Rewards Principles for Becoming a Top 10% Manager. So you won't want to miss this. And for a full description of next week's and other upcoming shows, as well as all past shows and guest bios, please visit www.quantumbusinessinsights.com. I'm your host, Olivia Parrud, saying thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights, and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. Please join your host, Olivia Parr-Rood, again next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk again next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 